0: Welcome to the Daily Ding. Happy Friday, everybody. Ready for the weekend. I'm your host today, Dave DeFord. joining me as usual when we have these terrible nights of NBA basketball, my good buddy, Black Trey. What's up, Trey? What's going on? I'm ready to pull a Rudy Gobert. And on the ones and twos, we got Rob Lopez. I, again, I'm sorry, guys, for bringing the terrible action. Uh, luckily, we've got Eric Name of The Athletic joining us to talk about the Bucks. But uh, these blowouts... I don't know. They're getting out of hand. Uh so let's start with the game of the night, which was also a stink fest. The Rockets are terrible. They were blown out by the Utah Jazz 118 to 91. Donovan Mitchell only scored 6 points in this game and Rudy Gobert was ejected less than 3 minutes in the game and the Rockets were still dusted. Trey, all right, Chris Paul is washed, right? That's where we're at.
1: Mm. I, yeah, I guess so. I, I mean, I don't really want to put this on Chris Paul. I mean, he, he has, he, he shouts to him and his agent for landing that contract. One of the worst contracts the Rockets could have taken on. Um, but this can't all falter on Chris Paul. I mean, PJ Tucker, 18 minutes, zero points. Um, I mean, you can go down the line and look at this, this, You know, I mean, the the highlight—Michael Carter Williams playing garbage minutes and going to, you know, trying out different things to make it seem like he—he—he did something. It's—it, there's a problem in Houston, straight up. That's it. They're bad. That's the problem. I mean, losing Ariza, losing Ariza. Yeah, go ahead. No, I'm just saying. More so, I feel bad that Melo was the scapegoat out of this. You know, everybody was trying to make these jokes and stuff like that, but. I think losing the and uh, what to, to, to piggyback off what you're saying and uh, Richard Mambute, um, where the defense, you know what I mean? The defensive juggernauts on this team, you know what I mean? Like they had a limit, they had a very small role, but it was so important to the essential part of their table of what they had going. And it, it's clear that, you know, they, they heavy loaded on offense and that's just stinky, man. And I don't know. It's bad, man. It's, it's bad terrible. at this point.
0: Uh like I said, Rudy Gobert was ejected less than three minutes into this game. Got called for a foul on the jump ball. Uh that I mean just felt ticky tack and then a very clear hardened flop as he was as uh Gobert was trying to get post position. A lot of people are saying that this could be some sort of referee retribution because of his comments at, uh, after the Miami game. I'm I'm not a conspiracy theorist. So I'll leave that stuff to Jade. Uh, Trey, do you feel like Gobert had a, a legitimate beef when he smacked the water off the scorer's table?
1: No. I mean, it was just frustration at the point. I mean, you know, you can – everybody's been saying that the refs have been bad this year and you know, maybe they're a little bit jumpy, but at the end of the day, you still got to compose yourself. Wasn't that serious? Gobert being a fake tough guy, he probably wanted the night off, and, 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 and in, in and his favor, it. and in his favor, he knew what was going on. He knew that this was going to be a stinky game. So, kudos to him. He's the player of the game for me. <laughs> it's that's the the bag king, right?
0: Yeah, he, uh, got the night off, went and got a workout in. That's a good way to do it. Uh, Harden Harden had 15 Capella had 10 uh, or had 12 and 10 rebounds. Derek favors was fantastic uh, coming in off the bench, taking over for Rudy Gobert with uh, 24 points, 10 rebounds, and just looked really, really good. Always love when a guy is kind of getting his minutes. I'm not going to say jerked around with, but they've been experimenting with different lineups. And so he's been coming off the bench, some games, starting some games but he's been, he was ready to play tonight and and really was a difference maker in this game for Utah. Uh, Utah now moves to 500 on the season. Uh, I said the other night after they lost to a bad Miami heat team that they're looking very average. They look great in this game. Chris ball movement. We're hitting open shots, doing everything on, on defense that you want to see out of this team for the rest of the season. Let's see if they can get that, that defense into the elite territory. Folks, there's nothing better about the holiday season than unwrapping a brand new phone. Until you get that new phone bill. It sucks. Big wireless providers can really suck the joy out of the holidays and the money out of your wallet. So this year, don't just upgrade your phone. Upgrade your wireless provider and switch to Mint Mobile. For a limited time, Mint Mobile is offering the best holiday deal in wireless you've ever seen. Three months of service for only $20. Wait, that has to be a typo. Nope. Mint Mobile's holiday deal is here for a limited time. $20 total dollars gets you three months of wireless service with 5 gigs of 4G LTE data each month and unlimited talk and text. That is ridiculous, folks. $20 for three months. Use your own existing phone with any Mint Mobile plan. You can keep your old phone number and, of course, your, all your contacts. Mint Mobile runs on the nation's fastest, most advanced LTE network. If you're not 100% satisfied, Mint Mobile has you covered with their seven-day money-back guarantee. Ditch your old wireless bill and start saving today with Mint Mobile. Take advantage of this Mint Mobile holiday deal before it's gone. Get three months of wireless for $20 and get the plan shipped to your door for free by going to mintmobile.com slash B2B. That's the letter B, the letter T, the letter B. That's mintmobile.com slash B-T-B. That's three months of service for just $20 at mintmobile.com/btb Trey we got some breaking news apparently LeBron James would like to get Carmelo Anthony signed by the Los Angeles Lakers Joe Varden of the Athletic broke the story uh, Ramona Shelburne almost immediately comes out and says LeBron has not immediately or has not gone to Magic and Rob Polinka to ask them to sign Carmelo Trey is—is is Carmelo going to be a useful player for the for
1: the Lakers? Oh man, this is happening, I, right? Like we we know this is going to happen. It has. I to. mean, I wouldn't do it. I mean, the well, fact that these me- the fact that these memes are starting to come to life is kind of funny, yeah. you know. Uh, especially always the Lakers memes. You know, all these years <laughs> they always wanted these players, and then you finally get them. Um, be careful what you you ask for. I mean, obviously. I think LeBron wants a new Vino partner, um, especially the only, the the eldest person to talk, you know, to have a conversation with is Rajon Rondo. Um, Tyson so, Taylor. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, Ty obviously, you know what I mean? But they may just turn this into an Olympic team and just those guys sit in the back of the bus and, you know, reflect on the old, the old days and let the young guys do their thing. But I mean, if the Rockets can get something back, I seen somebody say JaVale McGee, and I'm like, that would be stupid to trade JaVale McGee for Carmelo Anthony. So, yeah, I mean, it wouldn't make any sense to me. But uh, hopefully my man Melo gets, gets back in the league with someone. I think it's time to give the banana boat a Viking funeral. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. For real. Zach uh, had a chance to sit down with Eric name of the athletic Wisconsin to talk about the bucks and what's been going on with them in the first quarter of this season.
2: All right, let's go for five minutes with an expert. And we bring in from the athletic, my partner in crime, my, my fellow bucks fan, as everyone knows, I love my bucks, uh, <laughs> Eric name from the athletic, Eric, what's going on uh, big start to the season for the bucks huge like 7-0 start and then they've kind of been you know not you know a little bit better than a 500 team the last 16 games are you concerned about any of the I guess fall off I don't know if that's the right word for it but do you think that this is still one of the more elite teams in the east
3: Yeah, I think it is. And we've been kind of talking about it this whole year. But, you know, in the past, when when they were coached by Jason Kidd, you would look at the end of the game and you'd say, oh, yeah, you know, they gave up a bunch of corner threes. Uh, They gave up a million dunks. They gave up a million points at the line that's why they lost. Got it. Uh, but now you kind of look at everything that they're doing under Mike Boonholzer, where they've shifted their shot profile completely. So offensively, all they're doing is taking threes and Giannis is dunking. And then defensively, they're taking away corner threes. They're the best at the rim in the league. And it's like, okay, that team kind of had an outlier shooting night and they've had some bad ones. I mean, Emmanuel Moody going four or five from three hidden pull up daggers uh, from 30 feet. Like, yeah, that's probably not going to happen again. So I think all the underlying stuff would suggest that, you know, this is just a little bit of small sample size theater and losing a couple close games. And overall, this is, you know, a healthy team and one that's going to be among the best in the Eastern conference.
2: Yeah. I think that's one of the things I look at in terms of like their clutch situations, because you look at them uh, nba.com has them at 12 clutch games so far 12 games triggering uh, clutch stats and they're 6 and 6 in those games but they also have the fourth best differential uh, in net rating during you know in those 12 games so when they when they perform in the clutch they're either barely losing these games or they're dominating and that's just such a huge change from the Jason Kidd Joe Prunty days
3: Yeah and uh, I mean the uh there's just so many games where I know there's like a stat, like two and five and games decided by five or less. And it's like, well, they've won three games by six. So that's right. closer to <laughs> that's closer to five and five and uh, closer to kind of a toss up. And, you know, talk- talking with Mike Boonholzer about it, uh, I think he is a-, a more enlightened coach. I would say that, you know, kind of understands that, you know, sometimes games are going to go your way. Sometimes they're not. And, you know, we were talking about the other day and he was like, well, you know, uh, I assume there's going to be some that go our way in the end. And he's like, but also maybe it won't happen. Maybe it won't because sometimes teams are just unlucky for an entire season. He's like, so that means we do have to keep looking at it and keep seeing why we are dropping some of these close games and figure out a better way to go about it. But uh, like I said, overall, I think everything points to a healthy shot profile on both sides of the floor uh, obviously you have a superstar player in yastat like everything should be fine going forward um you know just maybe a little bad luck in this small sample size
2: everyone expected a a boost right going from the coaching situation they had before to going to mike Budenholzer, who has a real system and real tenants that he believes in and not such confusing decisions most nights um everyone expected a boost in this team's performance but 23 games in they're the best offensive team in the league. Like they're a better offensive team than the Warriors. Has this surprised you? Or, I mean, obviously you expected an improvement, but at what level this seems sustainable and yet surprising at the same time?
3: Yeah, I mean, when you looked at them last year, depending where you got your offensive rating, they were somewhere between 7th and 10th in offensive rating, and uh, I think anyone who'd watched the Bucs under Jason Kidd kind of understood that they were looking at a retrograde offense where right. they were shooting mid-range jumpers, they were against taking threes, and it, it, was just, it just didn't make any sense. And somehow, they were still in the top 10, and I think going into the year, we kind of thought you know, this could be a top three, top five offense. And then all of a sudden the preseason happened. And I remember Chris Heron looking at me uh, after a preseason game. And he's just like, just wait, is this the Eastern conference rockets? And I was like, apparently, I guess that's what they are. And again, it went from a spot where you thought, okay, you know, three to five is kind of where this offense is to top three to now number one overall. And I mean, everything, Everything just makes sense. I'll just say that. Like you watch Giannis play, and there's four shooters on the floor with him at all times. No one's in the dunker spot ever. It's always in those little blue boxes that Mike Booneholes are put on the practice floor with blue tape that showed. Okay, these five spots you're gonna fill them all the time. And if you're not in one of those spots, get to one of those spots. And then Giannis is gonna go through the middle of the lane and dunk on somebody.
2: Uh, speaking of him dunking on somebody, uh, do you believe that on Christmas Day he is going to punch Mario Hazonia in the dick? <laughs>
3: <laughs> I think there's a good chance that Mario Hazonia and his dick may be sitting on the bench because he, he just doesn't <laughs> really ever play. Uh, you know, with the way Fizdale's p- pulling out DNPs for random guys, maybe Hizonia won't even play. Uh so no, I, I do not think that'll happen because uh I, I think I, I talked about uh being a peasant and Giannis being the king earlier this year. Like the, the king doesn't need to address the peasant. Like y- you can just move on past that. So in fact, I was a little surprised that Giannis even addressed it at all. But uh yeah, that that warning is still still out there uh so you know it just I, I think it's more for the rest of the league don't ever step over Giannis because if so you'll get punched in the nuts
2: yeah uh I'm, I'm a little bit rooting for this to happen uh my last question <laughs> for you there's been some some reported stuff and some some i guess more concerns than reported stuff about a rift between chris middleton and mike boonholzer after some fourth quarter decisions uh chris middleton sat out with personal reasons do you believe there's a rift there or was there really something going on with with chris uh,
3: Yeah. I mean, I will say, so, I mean, it's two separate things. The first thing is the personal reasons that Chris was out for totally legit. Like everything that I've heard and everything, everyone that I've been able to talk to, that's a perfectly legit reason for Chris Middleton to be out. So um, those two things are unrelated, but the rift was kind of real. Like this is uh, that Knicks game on Saturday was the second time that Chris had been sat down here previously Boone sat bloodso and Chris uh, during a third quarter, fourth quarter against the Phoenix suns, when they didn't come out with enough energy, sent a little bit of a message there by putting deli on the floor, which is the ultimate message uh, in the year 2018 uh, to put deli in for you. So he kind of sent a message there. And then against the Knicks, he had this really lazy closeout. He attacked a defensive rebound, really lazily gave up a three because of it. Uh, and Boone sat him down and, you know, in talking with Mike Boonholzer afterwards, I, I kinda asked, because he, he said something about how Chris took the brunt of it for the team. And I asked him, like, you know do you kind of size up your roster and figure out exactly who are the guys that you can sit? Because, you know, if, if you sit Eric Bloodso for a fourth quarter overtime, maybe you're getting an, I don't want to be here. Tweet the next day. Like you don't, you don't really know how that's going to go. And it did kind of seem like he, he, he admitted like, yeah, it, Chris seems like the type of guy, high character, high Q that that can handle being coached in this way. Um, so to me, and I wrote it like this at the athletic, like that was a message to everyone. Like I'm willing to bench Chris Middleton, so you better believe that means I'm willing to bench you. Uh, so I think that was his way of getting that point across. I don't know if there'll be a rift there. I think things will be pretty much back to normal once Chris hits the floor again. But uh, it's definitely going to be something to keep a look on because this is the first drama of this Buck season.
2: Read them on The Athletic. Subscribe to The Athletic to keep us both employed. Eric Name, thank you so much for
0: joining uh, these five minutes with an expert. Thanks for having me. Attention nerds and non-nerds. But if you're a nerd and you're going to be at the Sloan Analytics Conference at MIT, Saturday, March 2nd, we're having a Count the Dings live show at the Middle East, the historic Middle East nightclub in Boston. Tickets are on sale to the General Public now. VIP sold out in the first day. Get your tickets soon because we're going to sell out. You can go to the Count the Dings Twitter page. You can go to Jade's Twitter page. You can go to my Twitter page. And you can find links to the tickets or just hit us up in the DMs. They're always open. In the other games of the night, the New York Knicks didn't show up to Boston for their game with the Celtics, losing 128 to 100. That's a season high for the Boston Celtics, uh, who are now nine and three when they shoot 20 or more free throws. Trey, we've talked a lot so far this season about their offense, how they don't get to the basket. They don't generate enough free throws again, nine and three. Now, when they shoot 20 or more free throws, would you see tonight in particular out of Kyrie Irving?
1: just more aggressiveness. And, you know I mean? Like, obviously, you know, TV games, most guys wake up for it. Um, outside of, you know, Kyrie banging up his, uh, shoulder a little bit. Um, he got guys going, you know, uh, there was a lot of ball movement. Al Horford was you know, able to get, get it going. Jalen Brown, you know, he, he hasn't been as consistent as he was, you know, or the hype train is kind of, died down a little bit, but you know, when he can go, he can go. Um, so, you know, everybody kind of got it going and, and now was able to, you know, free Kyrie up a lot.
0: Yeah. a Very balanced game for the Celtics tonight. 79 combined points from Kyrie Horford Tatum and Jalen Brown, who was back from injury uh, in his first game came off the bench It actually looked really good. I had a lot of space to attack the basket. Uh, the Phoenix suns scored nine points again in the first quarter tonight, they were down 34 to nine after one uh, they've been outscored in the last two first quarters, 70 to 18. They are the new Bobcats. They lost to the Portland Blazers, One Oh eight to 86, uh, TJ Warren and Devin Booker still out with injuries. So of course they were shorthanded and uh, Deandre Ayton came off the bench in this one. Trey, do you feel like he's already kind of losing his, his footing on the, on a starting job
1: because of his defense? First and foremost, fire Igor. What? Yeah, you're calling for it. I'm just come on. I'm a, I'm a local here. You know, I'm not coming to no games until they make a major change. But I don't know if is actually going to, uh, you know, be that guy. I think it's just more so a hobby for him. And you know, uh, shouts to uh, Eli Okobolo, You know, getting a start tonight, but like. This the culture is just bad. It just need everything needs to be reset. And I, I put the question out there, would you actually want to make 158 million or actually, you know, make a um you know, make a make a contending team? And you know, Devin Booker threw out the hot quote saying that, you know, eventually his team was going to be contending for something. And everybody laughed, and I'm still gonna laugh for a very long time as long as the Suns ran the way they ran. Yeah, ownership, once again,
0: is, is the great equalizer in this league. You can have all the star talent you want, but if you've got a bad owner, good luck being competitive. I mean, we've seen this in Minnesota. We've seen it in Chicago. And, uh, of course, we've seen it in Phoenix. They've just been a mess, and uh, they continue to be a mess. Jake Lehman uh, started this game very hot, had 15 points in the first quarter. Six of six, three of three from downtown, winds up with 24 points off the bench, really making a case to to get into the starting lineup. Uh, CJ McCollum was out with the ankle injury and uh, Dame Lillard with 25 and eight. Instead of the line of the night, I thought that Trey and I could actually talk a little bit about the rookie of the year at the 25% mark of the season. And Trey, I think that unanimously we have to talk about your favorite your favorite player in the league, to my knowledge, you want to give some Luka. love to your boy, Luca.
1: I know it's a shocker, man. I, I I don't right now, man. I wanted to keep it close. I wanted to uh, talk about the other Trey, but uh, Luca Doncic, man, he he's getting it done, man. Despite Dirk not being there, and you know uh, he he's he's keeping he's keeping Dallas relevant, dude. At this point, in um, over-exceeding the expectations, so um, right now he's my favorite to win. Roy, he's uh, at eighteen point
0: one points per game, six and a half rebounds a game, four point three assists. But the most impressive, he's shooting thirty eight percent from three on six attempts a game, and a lot of those are off the dribble. Um, you know, we keep seeing the step back, and and a lot of people are impressed by a guy his age being able to hit that step back consistently in the NBA. I mean, that's where it's impressive against that sort of length and that sort of athleticism. He's actually making the game look like he's been playing pro ball for the last three years. Oh, wait, he has been playing ball pro ball for the last three years. So, um, color me as one of the people who isn't surprised that he looks so good. Uh, honorable mentions, as far as I'm concerned, I think Jaron Jackson, And I'll even say DeAndre Ayton for what he's doing on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, And Marvin Bagley's looked good. I I actually think all the top five picks have looked pretty decent. Obviously, Trey's struggling with his shooting, but, you know, his team, the team around him is just terrible. Yeah, man. Triple J, though. That's, that's, That's the dark horse. Future Hall of Famer, Jaron Jackson Jr., Uh, that's going to be it for today's show. Check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash count the dings, or you can just search count the dings in the search bar at the top. Make sure you check out all the back-to-back shows. We just dropped a new or She wrote with uh, me and coach Thorpe yesterday, basketball buds on Tuesday. Uh, check out BOMM. It's on its own feed. And we dropped a very special woke bros with attorney Alex Spiro. You can find that wherever you listen to podcasts don't forget to subscribe rate and review this show the daily Ding, as well as all the other feeds on back-to-back Key and fahey's nfl pod the interceptable and of course the house of strauss i want to thank you guys for waking up with us trey take us home
1: ding ding